We are talking with Dan Roberts from one of of many, many uh, different universes, one being Tech Whisperers. Welcome to the show. I don't know how you want to introduce yourself. I'll just let you introduce yourself however you would like. And we're doing uh, more collaboration than usual lately. So you have a great you have a great show and uh, CIO network and IT leadership uh, piece that you do yourself. So go ahead, fire away. Yeah, Phil, thanks so much for having me. And uh, thanks for what you do for our community. This uh, this show is helping a lot of folks. I, I love it. So uh, good I appreciate it. Maybe it'll pay back someday. Someday we'll make money. Maybe someone will want to advertise, you know, that's just my own laziness. I should go out and ask for, ask for advertisers. I guess hope really isn't a strategy, you know, as far as, uh, you know, leadership pieces and that's advice to everyone out there. Hope is not a strategy. So I should stop hoping that someday someone will pay me something for all of this work, but until then it's a labor of love. So I appreciate that. I get it. Nights and weekends right there with you. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Nights and weekends are free. That's right. That's right. They're not. They actually are costing me, but okay, go ahead. Right. That's right. We want to stay married and all those good good things. But uh, yeah, so Dan Roberts, Tech Whispers podcast. And, you know, Phil, I always say my um, my thing is I'm not a storyteller. I'm a teller of other people's stories, kind of like what you do. And I love uh, I love doing that through the podcast, through uh, panels and fireside chats. Uh, the day job, the stuff that pays the bills uh, for 40 years now, we have focused on developing the human side of technology. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we know, but there's actually humans out there. Uh, there and are people behind the keyboards. Yes, They matter. They, they matter. And so <laughs> we're all about how to develop future-ready leaders, future-ready workforce so that we're relevant, we're having impact, we're growing. And uh, we have That's a good point. They do matter for now. And- they, I think they matter. Do they matter from a number standpoint? It all depends on if you're a glass half full or glass half empty guy. What do you have to say about the old, you know, the modern day knowledge worker versus the older day factory worker? In other words, there's the the whole. I don't even want to. I won't even call it conspiracy theory, but you know, modern day schooling and the way that schooling was. You know, a lot of people are skeptical of the the educational system in the United States that the majority of the people were went to school to learn how to be workers, not necessary to learn how to think on their own. Yeah. You know, you, I'm a little frustrated by the product that our schools and universities are creating. We're not, I don't think we're getting better. Uh, I see the folks that we work with, you know, we work with CIOs all the way to entry level folks in it and the folks we're getting, you know, we're, we're just making the same mistakes. They're showing up with the the wrong mindset, the skill set that's pretty irrelevant. Uh, their interpersonal people interaction EQ uh, probably all time mm. low. You know, and so I don't think it's conspiracy. I think it's 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 fact, Phil. No, it, it yeah, it absolutely is fact, and it's a good it's a good transition into what we're going to be talking about here in a few minutes, which is really the end game and how to technology nerds and professionals create lasting legacies and income. But to transition into that, the biggest learning moments I had were the biggest transition points in my life were when I learned how to goal set, when I learned to have a personal mission statement, when I I learned to focus on what my values were, which I might not have even known what those were back in the day, that I had different roles and responsibilities in my life. And I don't believe they ever taught that course in school. Not once. Not once in my entire schooling 
history and I went to private school as well. So they taught me how to use Excel. It's amazing how many people don't know how to use Excel nowadays, which is a little shocking to me. And I'm maybe taking my education for granted from some basic tools and tips standpoint. But when did they teach you goal setting, vision, mission statement, having a purpose, a reason worth living or a, a, a dream worth failing for? Did they ever teach you that once in school? No, not at all. And, and also, they didn't teach us that, uh, you know, when you leave here, your learning just starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be that continuous yeah, yeah, yeah. learner. And, you know, my pivot point, Phil, I, I appreciate yours. Uh, I think my big pivot point, probably in my 30s, which is a long time ago for me, um, I started focusing on being a what I call a net giver. Okay. Some might call it servant leadership, but I, I kind of take it another step further. And I find that when I show up every day, and genuinely look for ways to help other people um, without any reciprocity, no expectation of getting back. Mm -hmm. uh, somehow it all comes back tenfold later. And uh, But it was a real pivot point that I can look back on. Happened to be during a recession, happened to be during a time when people were struggling, having a hard time uh, with finding jobs, staying upbeat, and just taking time with people. Um, and those are now... CIO friends who uh, we do big things together today. So it's that whole notion of being a net, net giver. The being now and in the moment and being present with people. And like you said, uh, taking the time to connect, I guess, discover, respond to use an old Starbucks term, which they probably ripped off from someone else that did consulting for them makes it, uh, it doesn't matter. It, it, I guess you're living. I guess you're more living and living is better than not being present in the moment and kind of always either being in the past or in the hopes for the future, if that makes any sense. Maybe we're getting too deep here, but the, and as you said, uh, I remember Stephen Covey saying, you know, make deposits, not withdrawals. So make deposits in people's days, not withdrawals. So, and that does... Um, so for IT people out there listening to the show, make deposits in people's days, not uh, not necessarily withdrawals all the time. And the way that we, um, you know, attitude does matter. Attitude definitely matters. And it, I just, I would hire attitude all day long. Absolutely. Yeah. Attitude matters. Mindset matters. Um, words matter. Language matters. There's a lot of things that I think we need to be more astute with and more focused on to be uh, to be successful in this great profession of ours. So, as a as a tech whisperer, um, a CIO leader, CTO leader, technology leader, having been around for I don't how many can we even put a year on it? I mean, almost three decades. I mean. It, Let's just put it the dawn of the internet and the dawn of technology, right? We've all, we, you know, that that's the, I just find this, this topic so fascinating that the majority of the leaders, the tech leaders nowadays were around since the dawn of technology. Uh, and if you go back as far as 1969, when we supposedly landed people on the moon, right? We didn't have the internet back then. Maybe there were some inklings of it and depending on, but the, the modern public had, had none of that. So no one has really experienced the end game yet. And that is my, that was my number. That was my first bullet point of in my, my, I guess, shotgun or my first shell in the shotgun shell of questions today, which was the end game. And how do technology nerds, professionals create lasting legacies and income? Do we even have the answer yet? But you seem to be well on your way. You've got, you know, 
books written and you know we've got you know you've got quite a circle of influence so what is the end game what's the, what should technology leaders and people that are growing up in technology or have even been in it for now that are in there over the hill so to speak what what's the end game and i haven't had anyone really give me i may have had one good answer and i i just haven't i don't i don't know if there's a i don't know if there's any um light at the end of the tunnel i guess so to speak yet that's very clear for all of us because most of the technology leaders are working within a company so what i mean and to me the answer is not cash out 401k and retire i just i don't like that answer although it might be acceptable to some people amazing question phil and you know i think it all starts with realizing that what we do matters right this profession never been a better time to be in this profession, even though it's hard, even though there's challenges every day. But I think people focus too much on the, what would I say, the uh, the lagging indicators, the success, the money, the 401k. I think those who are thriving are focusing on the leading indicators. And the leading indicators, I would say, are um, it's more around the relationships that you've built, the people you've impacted, the people you've helped along the way. You ask any good CIO worth their salt, CXO, and you ask them what they, what they want their legacy to be, they will tell you it's all about people who are in that job today that I impact along the way. Uh, Kevin Hart, I had him on my show. He's this an epic CIO to CEO story. There are 51 CIOs, CTOs, CISOs in the wild today because of that man, that leader. That's a heck of a legacy, Phil. Mm. Yes. 51. I mean, that's that's like staggering. That's that's being intentional. That's being uh, really focused. And I think, you know, rather than focusing on the income, I mean, we've all got we've all got goals and, and things like that. But I think those who are thriving are focusing on impact first. Well, some that's of the- us have families and, and mouths that we have to feed and uh, even larger families and other. Yes. And and you whole got, companies you got a whole litter, right? You got a whole litter over there. Yeah, they'll. I'm hoping they're going to pay for me. You know what I mean? That my my <laughs> strength in numbers. You know, my mine is like maybe one of the eight kids will you know t- turn out to be someone successful, and uh, I'll just you know they can push me around. Maybe they'll take care of me in my old age versus the other oh, way around. That, I'm that's sure that's my philosophy. Right? I'm sure several are going to do great things, Phil. <laughs> I love it. Zone me. defense, zone defense, right there, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So okay, so the end game is 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 developing your people, having having a lasting legacy. Exactly how how do we we be, to begin with that? Is there any like basic you know what do you find to be the common themes or it's it's kind of like people are like oh that all sounds great and that's all inspiring yes, but what about little old me and I don't even know where to begin and how can I'm not big enough I'm not this and maybe they don't dream big enough and you know if not if not you why not. Or if not you, who it, who else, or you know whatever that saying is, I sound like uh, I sound like Bush now. You know, fool me once, fool me three, whatever that saying is. I keep getting fooled. Yeah. Well, I think I think you know you hit on something, which is you know we still have too much victimitis in our profession, right? Oh, thank you. And it's it's a little annoying, and you know part of it is you know we take bad advice, like some of the bad advice we've gotten over the last fifteen years. Here's one of them. Here's the one that drives me crazy the most. We need to align IT with the business. That's the dumbest thing we ever said, right? Mm. And all the consultants, gurus, experts, researchers were promoting that for 15 years. Would you? Could you imagine 
the corporate CFO walking down the hallway or on the Zoom meeting or whatever saying, you know, we really got to focus on aligning finance with the business. Of course not. They would never say that because they are the business. So are we, right? Mm. And so I think that puts us into that, into that us and we, it puts us, you know, that victim mentality. You're basically pointing the finger at yourself and saying, I'm not doing a good job. If we have to align IT with the business, then uh, I'm disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no the, pun intended, disconnected. I'm right. disconnected from the network. Yeah. <laughs> I'm disconnected from the network. God, there's so many great metaphors in our in our industry. The network. What network? You're talking about the people right. network, the human network, the what network are you disconnected from? Victimitis. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm gonna, we don't have a seat at the table. Here's the uh, here's the other one. We don't have a seat. How long have you how many times have you heard that? Uh you know why? It's pretty tough, Phil. We we just don't have a seat at the table, so we can't. We can't be a strategic partner. Well, that, you know, Ralph Laura, one of the best CIOs ever to hold the title, just got inducted to the Hall of Fame. Mm. He would say, if you want to see at the table, hope a darn chair. <laughs> You're killing all of my marketing for this episode. <laughs> for the whole show, which is about getting a seat at the table and getting and crawling out of, uh, you know, the server room closet where they used to s slide pizzas under the door with sticky notes on top. You're killing my show. I love it. Thank you. All right. Marketing department. We got to go back to, you know, got to kill it. Just pull a seat up at the table. Stop, you know, not how to get a seat at the, at the table. Just walk in and sit down. Exactly. Exactly. And then when you get there, you know, realize you got to show up in a certain way you got to bring a point of view you got to be ready to to uh, influence the conversation and you know that kind of we might get to a little bit later but the whole idea of how we show up and the stages of of showing up we call it the maturity the maturity curve and and uh and part of this too phil is is uh people get pretty comfortable it's it's a it's a human trait it's part of our dna and we tend to do that a lot in in our profession and this, there's a book written a few years ago. I think it was Malcolm Gladwell. It's what got me here, won't get me there. And we got to start realizing that what got me here to where I am today is not going to set me up for success tomorrow. The profession's changing. Skills needed are changing. If I want to get to that next level. So getting comfortable being uncomfortable, I know it's kind of cliche, but. Absolutely not. I say it every day, all day. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Do what successful people successful people do what unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. Yes, step out of your comfort zone. Tim Ferriss, who I'm not necessarily a fan of him as a person, the book Four Hour Workweek, which is so old now, it changed my life because just the concept of of working from home and not wasting time with a bunch of stuff. I don't know. I just remember going to my boss and saying, Hey, if I, uh, if I am produced 10% more than I've been producing and I'm this much more productive, can I work from home uh, two days of the week? He was like, sure. And then, so that month went by and the next month it was like, how about I just never come into the office again and always do better. And he was like, yeah, okay, no problem. That changed my life. But in that book, he has somewhere where he's like, he just has this whole like chapter or something about getting out of your comfort zone, just go into public and lay down and play dead for 30 seconds on the ground in the middle of a crowded area. There's videos of guys doing it online when they read the book, you know, and just, you know, these kind of wild things to get you, help you, I guess, get you out of your comfort zone. I think it is a victim. That's not a victimitis. That's just an itis. And once you start, you know, having the itises in life, then, you know, forget about it. That's just another itis. But yeah, people get comfortable. 
you're not going right. to grow. It's just like, you know, that's the, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing, which is the bet, you know, the, the reps that give you the most muscle growth or like, you know, the last two or three, it's not, you know, it's not the first 20. So no, these don't get old. And that's when people stop. But who takes action? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's an element of, uh, I, you know, with my, my team and folks I interact with, I'm like, there's, there's an element of grit. Like, like you gotta just show up some days and just do the hard work and, and you gotta grit it out, even if you don't want to. That's those, those last two reps, uh, reps that, that Arnold will do. Um, I think in today's world, uh, expect every day to be messy, hard, <laughs> uh, challenging, right? And so, and so this, you know, I say grit is number one, grace is number two. You got to give other people grace, you know, when they drop the ball. Um, I mean, if they keep doing it, that's a different story, but you got to give other people grace and you have to give yourself a little grace in this world because things are, things are messy, but we got to just keep moving that ball down the field, Phil. And the third one is we've kind of hit on it. I call it the growth mindset. You know, there's people who have a growth mindset. There's people who have a fixed mindset. Uh, some people see the pie and say, that's all there is. We got to, we got to share it as it is. Other people say, you know what, let's, let's go make, let's go make bigger pies. Let's go make more pies. I have a lot of questions that came up there and we can hold them. We can answer them or not, which is one of the questions that came to my head was how do you get out of your own way? I tend to get in my own way. I'm a very much a, um, I will work really fast. I'll take on too many things at one time. I'm too hard on myself. And this is like a psychology session now, all of a sudden. And I will fixate. Uh, what, what's the other thing? I'm kind, I, I will... I will allow myself to get kind of in the weeds, so to speak. What are some of the common themes that come up on your show? I could tell you what they are right now. I can tell you all three or five. Every show comes into five things. And I, I do believe that every challenge, problem, whatever it is that in any industry or anyone's dealing with, they can all be boiled down into three to five things. Maximum eight at the maximum, maximum eight. But I think most are three to five. And I can say that the five or the four to five things that IT directors struggle with in general are training and supporting end users, number one. I mean, there's a ton of subcategories there, but training and supporting end users. You could call that leadership, I guess. I don't know. Number two, decision direction. Decision direction in a massive, complex world of technology and AI and emerging technology and security and all of these different things going on, just taking decision and direction. Three, disparate old technology silos that do not work together, that are separate technology silos that we haven't had the money to forklift yet, or it's too hard, or it's impossible because it's the only software left running on an AS400. Um, and then let's see, when am I forgetting? There's gotta be another one. Um, anyways, these, are these are three good ones right there. You know what I mean? Like, what are the themes that you see coming up from a leadership perspective? There must be, I, I bet you, if we spreadsheeted all of your episodes and we took all the common words, I bet you we could divide them up into like three to five themes. If you'll afford, you said eight earlier, if you can afford me seven, I will, I will tell you, uh, Seven, the sep I can already see the article that we're going to make up now over the show. The seven bullet points coming from Go. <laughs> Boom. All right. So here's what differentiates the best leaders at all levels. Um, they do not get distracted by the bright, shiny object. 
Okay. So that's number one. Yes, I'm not but a leader. That's not, that's not, <laughs> but, but that, that's not number one. That actually sets up the seven, but they are laser focused on what I call the seven C's of great leaders. I'm going to tie this back to your three. Okay. Let's do it. This is like consistent, eerily the same across these best leaders. They're, they're intuitively good at it. They're intentionally good at it. But number one, they're always locked in on the customer. The customer is at the middle. Um, outside in. I call that. Can I add in my own little twist to this every now and then? Because I have my yeah, own yeah. little, I have my own little quotes, and I've been, t- and this is how I coach my people. It's all about them, mm. customer one. It's all about them. No matter what happens, no matter what it is, no matter you got the craziest person you got to talk with today, the meanest dude, whatever it is, it's all about them. So doesn't really matter what happens to you because it's all about them. So it's like a sacrifice. You're like the sacrificial, like you're going in there. It's all about them. So what's the worst that can happen for them? Nothing, because it's all about them. Right. Anyways. That's a, uh, I call on my show, I I, I unpack the uh, the CIO-isms. That mm. right there is a great philism, right? Those great expressions <laughs> you use when you're leading, communicating. We call that stuff. a philosophy. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I love it. People haven't, I have so, name that people have been making fun of my entire life. So there's a million more. Yeah. Well, keep them coming. So. Uh, customer number one at the center, and you know we we try to beat this out of out of our IT nerd friends. Stop using the term user. Definitely not end loser. Not end loser. Those blankety blank <laughs> users, right? Um, that comes from an engineering guy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I was just on with the CEO or this morning, and and you know we talk, we say you know customers better, but customer kind of still implies. Retail, transactional, client, mm-hmm. better, you know, client, mm-hmm. like professional, peer mm-hmm. relationship, yep. business partners. Uh, this morning, Scott was talking about those that they serve as collaborators. And he says, you know, when we show up and we see them as collaborators, we show up different. We treat them different. They treat us different. And so anyways, seven C's, customer at the middle. Number two, culture. And you've you've had shows talking about culture. Nick, great show a few weeks back. Number three, cultivate. And this is all about people, knowing, growing, engaging, developing, you know, your your people, your talent. That's that's your team. Number four is courage. And we could talk for hours about this. And there's a great lack of leadership courage today. And business and politics and IT and 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 I can unpack that for you all day long. Um, number five is change, the fifth C. We need to do a better job of putting people inside of that new cathedral before the first brick is laid. We want to take people on a change journey. We want to take them on a big, big, bold, hairy ride that they have no idea if it's going to be successful. How do we take them on that change? And the last two C's, Phil, are we got to be great collaborators and we've got to be, be great communicators. And if I think about your themes, the the things you talked about, we've got to train, cultivate, you know, uh, those users out there. But that's all around. It's all about them. It's all about the customer. Decision direction. Um, here's a here's an ism for you. Confused minds don't act. True. And in fact, confused minds say no. And that's why we have a lot of inertia. We lose speed and velocity. And philosophy. That's why your decision direction is so important. And then the third one you talked about was was silos, right? And again, we've got to do better at telling the story, changing the narrative. You know, why why are are there still 
technology legacy and silos out there. You know, is it again back to victimitis? If we own this, we would say, maybe I just need to tell the story better. Maybe I just need to go out there and tell them uh, if we if we do this, this is gonna how it's gonna impact our business, our bottom line, our customer. Let's look at this realistically with real life examples. Placing the first brick. There has to be a vision for the like final outcome. There has to be some, even though even though it's never exactly the way it is um, envisioned at first. There's a mission, right? The mission that needs that can always be the same. It can be elaborated upon. It can be streamlined. It can be made better. The mission is the mission, right? Like like I went over the mission state mission statement with my team this morning, which is to be the number one technology leadership podcast. Period. Right with the best uh, behind the scenes support program that will never cost an IT director or IT leader, CTO, CIO a dime. That, that's, that's the mission of the show. Right? So that's very clear. Now, the vision, um, that, that can change, right? Because how you do it, how you lay those bricks, right? Because right, right now we're laying the bricks, we're recording a show. Okay, and then we take the show. How do we take information from the show and repurpose that into different things? How do we, you know, how do we gain people's trust and and be authentic and real and all those other things that you just said. So confused people, and then to layer in the confused people, don't, you know, don't say yes, don't buy whatever it is you want to call it, because IT, I do have a lot of past um, sales experience, customer service experience. And we used to always say, yes, confusion will kill any deal. A confusion will kill any deal. It's it's not even a matter of like, do we, it's just like, do we know it's when we don't know we're confused. We're confused. Confusion will always be, will always be a problem. So taking in the layering, the first brick and eliminating confusion, what, what do IT departments do? Because if I sit down and I ask, and I do have a question that I ask a lot of IT directors, which is, do you have a vision? Do you have a living, breathing vision, mission and vision statement for your IT department? And uh, I haven't had anyone say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Off to a bad start. And, uh, you know, here's a, here's a short story that I think kind of helps set the tone to answer your question. So it's the JFK story at NASA, right? He's down in Houston getting the tour. Oh, this uh, is going to go down a dark. This is going to go down a, a huge site. Keep going. Go ahead. No, I'm not going to go down that path. I know where your head's going. <laughs> I may. <laughs> I've heard go the ahead. show before. I know where you're going. No. <laughs> so he veers off and he goes over and talks to what, we would all say is the janitor. Mm-hmm. And he says, sir, what do you do here at NASA? And the janitor looks him in the, in the eye and says, Mr. President, I'm helping to send a man to the moon. And I think that's where it all starts, Phil. I think that, you know, for those of you who work in healthcare, right, in IT, mm-hmm. you're fixing patients. You're not doing IT work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in higher education, you're educating students. You're not in IT. If you're in any industry, it's like, so it, it all starts with who is it that we are here to serve? What's the end game? Who are we bringing value to? And if you can get closer to the customer in that way, John, John Meiser, CIO of Panera, one of the best CIOs who ever held the title, John has his people out in the cafes every year. He himself lives in the cafe. Let's go see it from their perspective, right? And there's this little note, there's this little trick of the trade called moments of truth. We teach it as part of our service excellence training for IT. Moments of truth are basically all those touch points, those points of contact, no matter how large, how small, they all leave an impression, right? 
And when we can understand things from the other side of the table, from the patient, the student, the customer perspective, now we can get laser focused. Because you know what IT does really well? IT work does very well at hitting their bullseye. What's the problem? We're shooting at our bullseye. We're not shooting at the bullseye that matters to the marketing, the chief marketing officer or the head of revenue or the, the, the head of manufacturing. So I think it all starts there, Phil. That's the first, the first brick. And we're, we're not good at that in our profession. We, we think we're laying IT bricks. So what should we do? Yeah, let's go figure out what the customer wants. Let's go figure out what matters. Let's, let's be business people first. Let's show up different and uh, let's realize what we do matters and where we show up matters. And if we can do that in a way that is, I mean, some of the basic skills, the way we show up. I mean, do you know people who are good listeners, Phil? Yes. Active listeners that can listen listen without placing their own autobiography onto something in the background while the other person is answering. So, so that's interesting. So do you, do we tend to like those people, trust those people? Do we want them on our team? Yeah. Yeah. So what if we just basically built a brand as being trusted, active listeners? And another way to think about that, I always coach people, when you show up in a meeting, show up and be interested first, then be interesting. Try that on, right? It's amazing how that works because now you're asking questions. Now you're leaning in, you're getting the other people or person talking. They love it, by the way, because they, they, they usually are competing for the air. So let them let them be in, interesting first. You be interested. And then when you actually finally go to speak, you can just nail it now. You can just be wrapped or you can you can message your stuff around what matters to that person, that group, that team, that initiative. And here's a simple model that we've taught since 1985. That's how long we've been doing this work. It's called the HERE model, H-E-A-R. And I'm going to ask you a question after I give you the acronym. Yeah, It's an acronym because we like acronyms, right? So mm-hmm. you're in a meeting and this is your chance to practice interactive listening. H stands for HEAR. E stands for empathize. A stands for analyze. R stands for respond. Mm-hmm. And we're really good at IT going from H to what? To where? We go right to R. Uh, yep. I was we go gonna, right to response. And I was going to say smart. H. <laughs> I was going to yeah. say H. We're very okay. smart, and our answer most of the time is right. Unfortunately, the other person on the other side of the Zoom meeting or the other the other side of the table is saying, you didn't hear a darn thing I said. Especially important when you're in those difficult meetings. When you're in that, you know you that meeting you're in where where somebody's presenting a new idea, and you know this is dumb as dirt. This 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 thing has no wings, no prayer. We shouldn't even be talking about this. How do we message? How do we respond to that without sounding like the party of no, because that's what that's what ends up happening, right? We we do that, and we end up getting invited to the fifth meeting next time, not the first meeting. And so you pull out your your here model, right? And you take this in. So you hear, you're listening. The empathy is all about ask them some questions. You know, lean in, paraphrase, try to understand what they're where they're going. And you know this is a bad idea, but you don't want to say no in that meeting. We always say no, no in the first meeting because unless you're a McKinsey consultant or E&Y consultant, you do this every day, you're probably not going to message it very well. But say, you know what, give us give us 48 hours. Let us go analyze this. That's the A in here. And then come back and respond. And now you'll figure out a way to come back and respond with some options, some other ways of coming at this. So the here model is good just for day-to-day, every day. Uh, 
listening, building your brand as a listener, but it's also especially important in those difficult situations, those difficult moments. Um, and, and again, back to those darn users. It comes up in email too. So how often has someone sent an email hastily without taking time to first process? How often do we hastily respond to something with emotion versus first taking some time, walking away, and then responding? Yeah, I find when you type your keyboard really fast and really loud, it's probably when you need to take a pause. And, uh, you know, we teach that. Don't get hooked emotionally. Um, one of the great CIOisms out there is assume positive intent. Mm. Assume positive intent. Now, maybe maybe it's not, but but start there because you'll probably respond differently. And once you hit send, that sucker is not coming back. Well, I, I, you could recall it, right? But once it once it no lands, how many recall? I've had maybe two recalled emails, not myself, but I've seen someone said recalled email. I've maybe seen that no more than five times in my life. Right. Um, yeah. It's usually because I was on like a list by mistake that I got copied on a list because I was my, my name Phil was close to another Phil that someone knew. So I wasn't supposed to get that email, but I got it. So it was recalled. So I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Delete that. Okay. What can we give away that is that is solid information, that is, that is crystal clear that someone can walk away from this show and do right now? Not today, not tomorrow. What's something that they can walk away with and it'll make a difference? If there's one thing that you had to pick out of all these things that you've learned over the last 20 years, you said, just... Just do this one thing, and that'll make a, a significant difference in your life today. What would it be? Hmm. That's a big, bold, broad question, my friend. But let me let me take a couple stabs out here. I mean, take your time. I'm I'm thinking of it myself. What would mine be? Yeah. What would my? I mean, I'll uh, let's see, whoever comes up with it first. I mean, it's so situational, right? But just general um, showing up different. I really think it's. It's all about them. You said it earlier. It's one of your philisms. It's all about them. You know, show up and put yourself in their shoes. How can I help this person today? And, you know, there's there's four powerful words when you get into situations that uh, people don't use enough. And it, 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 it diffuses people, Phil. And it's, I need your help. Mm. Have you ever said no to somebody who came? I love that. I... I love the asking for help. Another another thing that Starbucks grabbed from someone back in the day, they they there was there was like star skills. They had these, you know, anytime you ever worked for someone, I don't know. Starbucks was just such a it was such a period of my life after graduating college and first getting married and having my first kids. I think it's like burned into my brain forever, you know? Like one of those first jobs through a through a term kind of term what what's the word? Turmoil to point in your life, you know? So you remember all these acronyms and everything, especially in, when you've worked in a retail environment, they have to have acronyms. So star skills, right? One was ask for help. Mm. But yes, you every know, time you, you ask for help. You, you know, the other the other little company over there in Seattle, you know, Starbucks is downtown. Uh, Amazon, company mm. we walk about, you know, they've got 14 leadership principles that have kind of set them apart. And uh, number one is customer obsession. You know, just, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but this is pretty good, pretty good proof in the pudding there. Their 14th and final one, by the way, deliver results. And I think those are purposely bookended because, 
you know, if you show up and it's all about the customer and we deliver results every day, we're going to be okay. Here's what mine would be. And after spending a year with this guy named Ryan Levesque, I'll give him credit where credit's due. Don't know if he came up with this idea himself or whatever it was, but he wrote the book called The Ask Method. And uh, he's got a bunch of people that I think used to work for Tony Robbins and stuff with him. And he's, uh, you know what, you know, you know where he's from? He's from Goffstown, New Hampshire. He's from Goffstown. He's, you know, he's down in uh, Texas now. He's some multimillionaire, you know, dude, life coach of, of sorts. But he wrote this book called The Ask Method. And the first question he asks, it's two parts, but this is something that people can walk away with today. You can take action on this today. It will make a difference in your life, no matter where you're at, no matter who you're with, this will make a difference. I guarantee it. I don't know what I'm guaranteeing, but I guarantee it'll make a difference. You can, you can not follow, you can unfollow the show if this does not make a difference in your life immediately today. The first question you ask is, do you mind if I ask your advice? Mm. Can you use that with any single, we don't want to say end user, but you guys know who I'm talking about. People that op souls, souls, other humans with, with beating hearts and blood running through them that have emotions that have families and all their problems going on in their life. These people that are on endpoints that are using the endpoints on your network you can use this with any single one of them. You can say, do you mind if I ask your advice? I don't know what the percentage is, but I I'm, I would guess that 99.9, an SLA, I would bet that a fiber SLA, they're going to say yes. Do you mind if I ask your advice? The second piece is, Ryan Levesque, I'm giving you credit for this. I'm giving you credit where credit's due. When it comes to X, whatever it is, when it comes to IT in your organization, when it comes to marketing in your organization, when it comes to upper management in your organization, when it comes to HR, when it comes to me being your father, your mother, when it comes to being a brother, when it comes to whatever it is, when it comes to X, what's your single biggest frustration, problem, or concern? Mm. You can walk away with that today. You can ask that question. You can fire right off on that question. Uh, Mr. CEO, when it comes to IT in the organization, What's your single biggest frustration, problem, or concern? Whatever they answer, fix that problem. Right. That's it. Now you're serving. Everyone, that's my secret. I gave it away. Now everyone knows how I started the podcast because I went up to 10 IT directors and I said, hey, when it comes to IT in your organization, what's your single biggest frustration, problem, or concern? Training end users, taking decision direction, disparate IT silos. Oh, I remember number four, poor vendor customer service. Vendors that do not jive with our IT team. Vendors mm. that take days, not hours to respond. It's all falls into that category. So everyone can walk away with that today. Do you mind if I ask your advice? When it comes to X, what's your single biggest frustration, problem, or concern? Brian Levesque, life-altering I'm glad that I spent a whole year with you and spent literally thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It's absurd. And that's what I took away from it, but it was worth it. You know, there's a very good chance, Phil, that you and Brian and I are all in the same town at the same time. Um, St. Anselm College for two years. In New, in New Hampshire. That's right. Right there in Town. <laughs> I was in Bedford, right? So we were, good things are happening in New Hampshire. That's all I can say. 
Live free or die. Bunch of patriots there. Right, man. Yeah. People are like, what are you talking about? What do you mean live free or die, Phil? That's just so you know, that's on every New Hampshire license plate for anyone that doesn't know that's been living in Arizona for your entire life. Okay. That's the model. That, that's that's the New Hampshire that's New Hampshire model, and that's where the what the first primaries are, whatever over at Dixville Notch or something up there, right? What was it? The Balsams, right? Every where they do the voting or in a... Okay, so you said having heart has a lot to do with IT leadership. I would say, what does heart have to do with it? Because mm. I've had a lot of people say, you know, you can't lead with heart. There's this new like feel good thing and you got you know we're in the business world and the business world is harsh and you know hope is not a strategy and what do you mean lead with heart heart's not going to pay the bills i'm just being i'm playing advocate here i love it i love it i love that you asked the question that way because you know in my in my interaction i interact with about a thousand c-level executives a year and i would say in the last 18 months i've seen a very measurable shift in terms of how they lead Mm-hmm. And leading with heart is part of that. And heart is an acronym, by the way, because that's what we do, right? We it's another acronym. So, heart stands for they're showing up with with being being humble. They're showing up with more empathy. Uh, they're showing up being more adaptable, more resilient, and very transparent. Okay. Now you might look at that and say, well, that that sounds a little squishy, right? That's but no, I think the last three were more hardcore, resilient, and transparent. Yeah, yeah. This, adaptable. World, like, well, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get rid of some of that heart because we need to adapt, be resilient, and transparent. Okay, so suck it right. up. <laughs> For people to do hard things, things they've never done before that we've never done before. Yeah. But here's the here's the interesting uh, the balancing act, Phil. While leading with heart, those best leaders, and again, this is all levels of the organization. They're still holding people accountable. They're still having the hard conversations. Yes. Still focus, laser focus on delivering results, business results. Mm. Now, mm. historically, we led with results. We were rewarded, you know, more that's where more command control came from. And we would talk about, well, there, you know, there's dead bodies behind us in our wake, but that's just the cost of doing business. Um, yeah, and it doesn't work anymore. No, it really doesn't because a a lot of people don't want to work nowadays. Um, you've got it's hard to keep good talent. Uh, people are paying for good talent because there's a shortage of it. Yeah. Maybe there's not. There might not be. I don't know. I don't know the statistics on that. I'm assuming that it is because uh, you hear a lot about, you know, just the shortage of people leaving and 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 there's no attachment to any any one given company anymore. There's no personal attachment, right? Because everyone's out for themselves. So that probably has a lot to do with it. And um, developing people and leading with heart and, and being connected to them. I'm I'm finish your thought, but I do want to ask you about having the tough conversations. Yeah. I mean, that balancing act matters. And so if you are a, a purely results driven leader, you're going to lose your people. If you're purely a heart driven leader, you're going to lose your job uh-huh. because you're not delivering results. Thank you. So that's, that's where it all comes together. And you know, the results also ties back to something you shared earlier. I thought was 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 phenomenal. It's, what's the mission, mm. right? And when people are delivering results based on that mission, they're locked in, right? It's a uh, it's a beautiful thing. People are now working together. They're achieving things they never thought they could achieve before. They're having impact. This is the end game, right? And uh, Liz Wiseman, great author, researcher. Her last book was uh, called. Uh, 
impact players. Mm-hmm. And one thing she found in her research, Phil, was that burnout today. Mm. We talk a lot about burnout, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she found that a lot of burnout today is caused by the fact that people do not feel like they're having impact. Hmm. Because they're showing up as the IT bricklayers, not as helping to impact the end customer to deliver results that matter. And so that's why all this leadership stuff matters, right? How we pull all this together. And at the end of the day, it's not that hard. It's not like a big bang thing. It's just doing some basic things well. Because There's so much there. There's so many more episodes there. The burnout thing's so big. It's so true. Even if they do feel like they're having an impact, who cares? We're all going to die. Yeah. Right? So the burnout's real. I have burnout. I, I suffer from burnout sometimes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and and it feels great when people are like, I listen to your show. I'm on your I'm on the regular, I'm on the roster. Like I listen to the show. I heard this one the other day. I'm like, wow, it's it feels great. It's awesome. It's good to know that. Which goes back to again, leaving the legacy, leaving a real legacy. As far as the tough conversation, one of the things that I learned a lot um growing up in leadership and learning everything the hard way and making mistakes and failing forward and all that and all those things are all real they're all real sleepless nights and and just learning everything the hard way it's so real the tough conversations is there do you have an uh, an acronym for that one because again i think it goes back to listening but there's a certain thing there's a certain aspect or there was a problem or there's there's something that happened that you need to coach the person on so i find the asking questions without having a you know trying to i guess lead i mean you're kind of leading but without a an an outcome already in mind I, i don't know how to describe that but by asking questions and getting someone to understand what the problem was themselves and how that didn't align with, I guess, the vision and the mission. Do you have any acronyms around that, having these tough conversations? Because that can be very difficult. That can be very difficult for someone, especially a new leader that has to have a conversation with someone they see as poisoning the water trough, so to speak, or the gossipy person or the person that might be you know, now you got to confront this person and it's really difficult is you're nervous the first time you got to do it and how are they going to respond and are they going to see me as insecure and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all that type of stuff. Yeah, a lot to unpack there. You know, you made me think of a Roosevelt quote. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Mm-hmm. So if I were to throw an acronym at you, it would be Dillygad. Does it look like I give a darn? <laughs> you know, when we're showing up at that meeting, uh-huh. We, they they got to know you care, right? That that back to your thing. You know, what was your question you asked? You know, that you gave the advice. It's like, what's the one thing? What's the one thing that matters mm-hmm. to them? What's the one thing? And I don't like to use that cliche. What keeps you up at night? But I mean, if you understand what they're trying to do to be successful, if you can help them with that one thing, um, those tough conversations get a lot easier. And and Phil, it's also how we show up in those conversations. And I. You know, we have this this research we did with Babson College uh, out of Boston. It's it's uh, we call it the maturity curve, but it's really about how we're showing up. And if you're showing up in stage one, you're kind of a, a keep the lights on, pipes and plumbing, IT professional. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it, but that's that's what you are. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you show up at the next level, you're more of a solution provider, mm-hmm. problem solver. But you're still in that stage two. You're still showing up as an order taker. 
Tell might me get what, stuck there because it's fun. Anyways. Yeah, that's, that's the comfort zone. We get a lot of gratification there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I'll tell you why that's a, a bad place to be here in a second. Okay, and I'll tell you. I'll give, I'll give you the metric. But that's that 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 way of operating. Of tell us what you want, we'll go do it. That order taker. Stage three, we're now showing up as that strategic partner, a trusted advisor, advisor, more of that consultant. Mm-hmm. Okay. That person, by the way, gets invited to the first meeting of a new initiative because people want you in the room. You've got influence, you've built trust, you've built credibility. Um, that person that is that solution provider, that order taker, they get invited to the fifth meeting. Okay. Ship sailed. Decision has been made. You want to have the tough conversation now? Good luck. Right. Now it's going to be basically now you're the party of no. Now you put yourself in the victim shoes. Now you're like being the, the bad guy, bad guy gal. If you're in that first stage, that pipes and plumbing, you never know there's a meeting. Stuff's going on all around you. You have no idea. And then we found this research. There's a stage four. Okay. Stage three is strategic partner, trusted advisor, first meeting. Stage four says there's another one that's called the innovative anticipator. Okay. So think about any organization. I don't care what industry. Who sees the business, the enterprise end to end like IT does? I would argue nobody. I would say nobody has that vantage point. Historically, Phil, we've done a poor job of leveraging that unique vantage point. But when we do, when those leaders do, you're able to lift your head up, look up, look out and say, how do we orchestrate a better customer, consumer, patient, student experience? How do we find ways to drive new revenue for our company, drive new efficiencies? How do we even maybe even disrupt our space through technology? So that's that's your meeting. You're driving that meeting. You're driving a new narrative, a new art of the possible. So those tough conversations at those four different levels are very different. Stage three and stage four, it's expected. You're invited. You're anticipated. Stage stage one and two, good luck. It takes time to build that. They have to see that too. Yeah, it does. And you don't go from one to three to four. You 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 go one one step at a time. By doing a lot of things you and I have been talking about for the last half hour or so. I would say by listening to this show, you could go from one to f- you could go from one to two, three, four, five a lot faster. So everyone listening out there, listening to dissecting popular IT nerds, please, because someone out there is going to be starting a new job as an IT director, and they're gonna have to go, they don't want to go one and have five handed into their lap and have all this shadow IT going on at the same time. They've got to build those bridges. They've got to ask the questions. They've got to create those relationships as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And you can do that by sitting down with everyone and saying, when it comes to IT in your organization, what's your single biggest frustration, problem, or concern? And how, or what's your, when it comes to operations, because you might be sitting down with the operations guy, or it might be, when it comes to marketing, what's your single biggest frustration, problem, or concern right now? Well, it's speed to this, it's speed to that. Uh, I can tell you just given today, it's a massive file. It's a, a a massive group of files sitting within multiple different drives that are all duplicate files and everything that I just need to manage today. And I'm looking for an AI, some sort of AI problem to help me sift and sort years and years and years of documents and, and different materials and organize it somehow. That's my problem today. That's my single biggest frustration, problem, or concern today at this moment. From an IT application perspective. So um, it has been an absolute pleasure 
having you on the show. How do people connect with you and get more future advice and plug in to your network and get what they need to grow their career and to um, leave a lasting legacy, so to speak, and lead with heart, but also deliver results? Did I summarize that good? Very well. Yeah. I mean, you've got really smart people. Uh, who listen to the show, I'd love to connect with them. Reach out on LinkedIn, Dan Roberts, Tech Whispers, Whisperers. Uh, so let's connect there. I'm big on not networking because I think networking is all about people looking for other people to do stuff for them. I think I think about it more as connecting. <laughs> like, like, how do we help each other? Which is another podcast, I know. Um, and uh, let's connect that way. Let me know how I can be helping you and, and your journey and you know, I'll, I'll end it here. You made me think of a minute ago, another another uh, victimitis uh, example. Mm. Uh, people get passed over for the promotion, the new yes. job, new opportunity. Oh, yes, they do. And they point the fingers everywhere else, right? And so this is where self-awareness matters. You know, get, get mentors, get people, get feedback, understand, you know, what your blind spots are. And what people don't understand, Phil, is there's a room. And that room has people in it who are talking about you right now, mm. talking about their talent right now. They're talking about promotions, the next round of promotions, who are high performers, mm-hmm. who are going to put in the next opportunity. And it's not good enough just to have your direct boss in that room speaking on your behalf. You need to have a brand. You need to have a, a, an image with other people in that room who are going to go to bat for you. Mm. And so that's another way to combat this victimitis on the career journey path. You know, your brand's walking in that room without you. Mm. And uh, again, yes, in a whole session talking about the importance of marketing and communicating and telling our story and this this world of uh, short attention spans and and uh, people are all over the place. But anyways, I, I guess I would leave you there. But please, please reach out. Listen to the show, Tech Whispers. You know, it's. Let's call it the number two show behind yours because you told me yours is number one. So <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's number eleventh. It's hey, number eleventh. It's some sort of like technology global IT leadership thing. You know, who knows where that where that statistic came up? But it's eleventh, and I'm going to run with that. Okay. And here's a stat for you. Did you did you know? Do you know? Do your your people know this? Your audience. There's a measure out there of podcasts globally. Uh-huh. How you rank? And I think it's like three million podcasts. Yep. Your show, impressively, is in the top, I believe, 1% of all podcasts globally. And I have done nothing. And just think if I actually worked at it. You know what I mean? I I don't know if it's just, who is this crazy guy with the beard that's talking, you know? But um, we are going to do a story time radio. We are going to start doing short stories, short IT stories. We're re- releasing those two. And the first one is Seagull gets head lopped off with 7-Iron and why you should change the relationship with your isp so everyone can look forward to that it's a true story really did happen and there's a reason behind it so um and of course it happened in maine of all places so uh, everyone can look forward to that there was one final thought that i had oh we'll end with this i guess and that is back to the the coaching and people showing up level one and everything. And maybe you're in an organization that's not super exciting or whatever it is. I, I don't know whatever it is. And you need a reason to show up to work every day. And I say this to my guys every day. I say, look, I'm not your boss. I'm not. I don't want to be anyone's boss, right? No one wants, I just, I'm not your boss. 
I don't think anyone should have a job. I don't think anyone should have a boss. I hated having a boss. I hated having a job. I'm not your boss. I'm your coach. You can argue with me all you want. You can hate hearing the things that come out of my mouth, whatever it is. I'm your coach. I'm just telling what you I'm telling you what you need to hear so that you can get on the field of play, right? And that's the game of life, right? And if you want to get on and you want to play in the game of life, you need a coach. And the coach is going to tell you whether you're making it on the field or not, whether you're going to get cut or not. So that's I'm your coach. I'm not your boss. I'm your coach. Take my advice for what you want, do what you want with it, but be open to people coaching you. You know, you can make excuses all you want. You can argue with someone, but you know, the old adage like perception is reality or whatever that is, you know, however that applies to this. But I would want to know if I'm doing something that is average or inadequate or causing problems or whatever it is. I want to know what my weaknesses are um, or I want to know what my strengths are so that I can leverage my strengths because I'm not, you know, I guess uh, personality weaknesses are probably most likely going to always be there. Um, you can try and make them not a problem, but, um, anyways, make sure that you've got coaches, not bosses. So if you're working, if you got people underneath you, turn your CEO or whoever it is, turn them into your coach, right? Because he's going to want to help you and ask for help. Right. And then the more he asks for your help, the more he's going to be putting you in that position, going and talking about you when you're in that meeting, you've got spokespersons preset, like you said, um, and then be a coach. Right. Because if you got a bunch of people on your team that don't feel like they may feel like not, you don't want them to feel like it's a dead end job. You want them, you want them to feel like they're growing. You want to grow your people no matter what, no matter where they're at in their life, whether they're just, this is their first IT job or not. I don't know. Would you agree? Wholeheartedly. In fact, I would say you need to build a, a board of directors, you know, your own personal board of advisors, you know, and have people from different, different walks of life who will be honest with you and not the ones are going to softball you and butter your, you know what, but they're going to give you honest, direct feedback. Uh, that's, that's a gift. And so, uh, you know, I think that, uh, there's two things we can do if, if you are quote unquote, in any kind of leadership role, the best leaders are, they've got the lens of leaders learner every day. They're learning every day. And they've also got the lens of leader as teacher, which I think goes along your lines of coaching. You know, how can I help my people? succeed versus micromanage them it's amazing the things that you you may you may think it's it's amazing of, of the knowledge that we hold inside that we're not sharing with others just because we think of it's like common knowledge or something like that yeah yeah dan roberts thank you so much for being on dissecting popular it nerds thank you sir appreciate what you're doing keep it up <laughs>